BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I am Chris Kaufman. I'm here, as always, with Simon Clancy and Alf Artiaga. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, a lot of things to get through. Uh, we want to talk about some explosive developments between Jarvis Landry and Ryan Tannehill this week. Uh, also, our, whether or not we're seeing any red flags already you know, in OTAs, minicamps. Uh, we're going to get some Twitter questions. We're going to talk about uh, some of the press conferences that happened. Uh, hasn't been a lot going on, I guess, personally. There's no boat rides going on here. Uh, no boys to men concerts. No, uh, no World Cup matches in Russia. Whoa, uh, it's the World Cup starts tomorrow. It's the, it's the greatest. It's the World Cup starts tomorrow. It's the greatest sporting eve of all time. Are you gonna go to? Are you gonna go to Russia for this one too? I'm not going to Russia, and it's not Russia. Kiev is in Ukraine. <laughs> no, but the World Cup is in Russia. It is, but I'm harking back to no. When you have to explain jokes, it's not good. The World <laughs> Cup starts tomorrow. It's the it's like the it's like the eve of the NFL draft, and the Dolphins have every pick in the first round. That's how exciting it is. That, that sounds exciting. It sounds Come really on. really you exciting. About, you boys, I, I just don't. America was Speaking awarded the 2026 World Cup today. It's it's coming to your country. You've got to be excited about that. Yeah, it's also going uh, to Mexico and Canada. Yeah, 60 games in America, 10 each in Mexico and Canada. It's pretty much in the U.S. That ratio is off to me. The final is going to be at MetLife Stadium. Why not do it at Jerry World? I don't think Jerry World is even on the list of stadiums, is it? Hard Rock's on the list. Um, I was looking at it today. Arrowhead, um, Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. Uh, interestingly, none of the college stadiums. I would have thought, you know, Bryant Denny in Alabama is a phenomenal stadium. Tuscaloosa is a phenomenal stadium. Why wouldn't you play there? Also, Atlanta because Stadium. Because it's Alabama, Astros. Simon. Well, but even so, I mean, do they know what? Do, do they know what they would be watching in Alabama? <laughs> I'm not making any jokes about Alabama. I hope to go back to the very fine state of Alabama at some stage <laughs> in my life. 
<laughs> well, speaking of which, I was, I was I was watching Fox this week, and uh, evidently the uh, the president of the United States single handedly gathered all of the nuclear missiles out of North Korea and threw them into the sun, like <laughs> Superman Four. It was ama- that, it was amazing to see the um the weapons inspectors w- within hours of the <laughs> of the culmination of the uh, yeah the thirty minute summit that achieved absolutely nothing, but they signed. I, Kind of birthday cards. I think he brought um, him back with them on on the plane. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't know he was that strong. I mean, to throw them into the sun like that. I mean, that's that's impressive. Do you think he'll be in the next? Do, do you think he'll be able to beat Thanos? <laughs> uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Like, maybe the thing that Thanos. What, what are the odds? Be, well, who knows? <laughs> maybe the one thing that could bring Thanos down in the next movie is true. bullshit. And what happens is just, Trump just, just throws bullshit at Thanos, and that's like his, you know, that's his... That's his kryptonite. That's, kryptonite, that's the word I was looking for. You know for. what could have happened? He could have sat down in the room with Kim Jong-un and, you know, sat in front of him and told him, you know what, well, we got to, you know, we need to come to an agreement here. And then Kim Jong-un said, I, I, maybe, I, you know, I got to get, I got a confession I got to make. Uh, I don't have any nuclear weapons. Yeah. And Trump said, bingo. So now he sends the inspectors so... in, wins a Nobel Peace Prize, and we have Emperor Trump for the next 35 years. It's literally not going to happen. <laughs> I, I've got more chance of winning a Nobel Peace Prize than that fat fuck. <laughs> Wait, which which one are we talking about? Could be either. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you see their two hairdos, by the way? I mean, Fantastic. who cut their hair? I don't know, but that that that's a national treasure, whoever it is. <laughs> Love to know who cut their hair. Well, King Jong Un has a nice little, nice head of hair. He's got an odd shaped head. Yeah, yeah he's he got does. a really weird head. He's got massive trousers. Did you notice how big his trousers were? I like his suits. Yeah. You know what they, they say about big, that? They look like the sort of suits that I, Michael Irving used to really wear, with, like massive trousers. <laughs> you know, like MC Hammer, but kind of bigger <laughs> at the bottom than at the top. What would you pay to see to see those two world leaders like get together in MC Hammer pants? <laughs> An awful lot, like my mortgage, my house. <laughs> Not just in MC Hammer pants, but they've got, actually got to follow through with it and do a bit of a Kentucky. Oh yes, yes. You know, if, if they just held hands, do, they can't. That's touch what was up. missing. That's what that's, was missing from this summit. Is is like a a North Korea like dance routine between the two of them. Screw nuclear weapons. <laughs> bit of MC Hammer. That's right. World is mm-hmm. at peace. Well, I mean, we had Dennis Rodman there. Why can't we get MC Hammer there? Course. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dennis Rodman and Kim Kardashian, obviously. Uh, I mean, what a triumvirate. Trump, Kardashian, oh, and Rodman as the three I mean, power players in American throw, politics. Throw Kanye on there. It's like gasoline <laughs> on the fire. I mean, it's. What have we become? We were a happy little football podcast talking about. A little bit about the World Cup. Yeah, I feel. I feel like we were. I feel like we were happy once. We've gone down. A, we've gone down a terrible rabbit hole. Yeah, we have. Uh, you could tell that there hasn't been much going on this week uh, in football-wise, but something that we have seen is uh, is some press conferences. Uh, Adam Gase got up there. Some of the players got up there. Uh, Kalen Balaj got up there uh, yes, with his. Uh, with his deep velvety voice and Alf listening in the dark, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. getting marinating in his own juices. Um, so I, I think that it was all interesting. Uh, one of the things that Adam Gase said that kind of piqued my interest a little bit is he talked about David Fales and um, the backup quarterback situation, but he mentioned that you know David Fales had quite the bump up now. He's uh, he used to be throwing to you know, the, really the dregs of the roster. And now he's throwing to Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. And that's, you know, that's quite an upgrade to him 
um, what he gets to work with. And it was interesting to see him put it like that because he's almost kind of like, you know, saying that those guys are you know, starter qualities. He's, he's really he's really acknowledging that they're they're sort of the five receivers that they all they consider to all be starters, really. And um, and so you kind of have this more of this uh, this setting in thing, uh, this this idea setting in of sort of hockey lineup uh, line changes, which is uh, something Akeem Spence said uh, explicitly in his uh, press conference. Akeem Spence, uh, though, Simon, a uh, hell of a dude, right? I yeah, mean, well, was... I mean, got to be one of the nicest guys I've ever seen talk at a podium in any sport, really, but especially the Dolphins. What a lovely, just a, just a really genial guy. And I love it at the end of the press conferences when guys either just walk straight off or, you know, Akeem Spence actually said, thanks, guys, nice to see you. It was just a, just a really funny, fun, interesting, intelligent, thoughtful person. You know, he was asked about whether or not, uh, you know, all the all the kneeling controversy and, uh, and Akeem was was part of that. Um, in Detroit last year, he was, you know, he was outspoken about um, about social justice, and so he should be being able to use his platform to do so. Um, and was asked whether or not he'd do the same here. And he was like, you know what, I'm going to just continue to do the kind of work I'm going to do off the field. You know, we all know about the amazing work that Kenny Stills does off the field. But, you know, Akeem said, I don't want to be a burden on the team. I just want to kind of keep keep it on the down low, but kind of keep doing what I'm doing. It was just, just a really nice, interesting guy. You know, a guy that you, you root for just because, you know, he steps to the podium and in 12 and a half minutes, just, you know, he makes you a fan. Well, you know, he's a, he's a nice guy now, but let's wait until at least week eight or nine when he he gets the full experience of our beat writers you know? <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> when we do come back simon is going to kick us off into the exploits of our former wide receiver jarvis landry but first these words from a sponsor a word from one of our new sponsors that sponsor is miss-inc.com that's miss-inc.com they are social media problem solvers. They do social media marketing and content writing. We are using them right now. They've been in business for 10 years and they believe in a personal customized approach to marketing. So they only represent businesses that are serious about taking their visibility to the next level. Social media marketing requires much more than just a blog or profiles on a website like Facebook or Twitter. It takes a smart strategy and a daily interactive focus. Miss Inc. has been leveraging social media for Miami businesses since 2008. They don't believe in cookie cutter strategies or in boxing your business in with others in your industry. Here's how you check them out. Go to miss-inc.com or call 305-537-6465. Right, boys. So this time last week, I announced that we would be talking about football because there was actual football going on. The Dolphins were practicing as they were today. But this week on the pod, we're actually talking about off-field stuff as we kind of find ourselves doing, but not really Dolphins off-field stuff. More that Jarvis Landry, our former receiver, uh, has really revealed his true self by taking what appears to be a massive dump all over his old team and notably Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback that essentially made him, saying last week that his Cleveland quarterbacks were the best he's ever played with, which is laughable in itself. But then today in an interview with NFL Network, claiming that he and Tannehill weren't close and that Ryan uh, hadn't called me since I left Cleveland. I mean, there are so many things that arise from this. First of all, what a douchebag. Secondly, the fact that they're not close, uh, or why wouldn't he call me? I mean, is he seven years old? I mean, (laughs) but seriously, does Tannehill... 
And also, does he only have a one-way phone? Can he not call Ryan? I mean, I, you know, to be fair to Landry, in, in his defence, his phone probably only receives messages from five yards away anyway. So, you know, but, but re- come on, realistically, this is ludicrous. Then, you know, he talks about the fact that we weren't close. Why are the photographs on his social media of, of him on a boat with Ryan Tannehill? They're fishing, they're catching a fish. Uh, where he refers to Tannehill as fam. I found another one before the program, uh, before we started recording the podcast, where he stood with Tannehill, uh, and the, the quote underneath just says, I love my teammate. There were photographs on his Instagram of him and other Dolphins receivers from a couple of summers ago practicing it between mini camp and training camp, and yet he said we never used to do that. Well, the evidence is there. Oh, no, wait. The evidence has been removed from his Instagram <laughs> because it doesn't fit his narrative. <laughs> No, but this is this, unusually this, clever of him, isn't it? This is bullshit. I mean, I find this absolutely astonishing. Listen, it would be hypocritical of me to sit here as a Jarvis Landry football fan and come out and uh, and try and change his legacy as a player, which I won't do. But I've spoken to Landry on a couple of occasions. One, a very long phone call that I had as a rookie, and I thought it was a a fascinating, interesting, genial. Um, just a really nice person. And yet, this is not the, the, the Jarvis. Maybe this is what money does to you. Maybe this is what bitterness does to you. But I, I just don't see any reason why he would be doing that. You know, I've been in, we've been in the locker room and you see the relationship between the players. I've spoken to Kenny Stills on a number of occasions. I spoke to Kenny when he was in London last year. I did an interview with him for the magazine. And for 25 minutes, we talked and we talked about Ryan Tannehill unequivocally. This is my guy. Us as receivers, this is our guy. We love Ryan. This was before he got injured again. You know, we can't be more happy that he's coming out. And he was genuine about it. There was no no bullshit, no kind of you could you know when you can just tell when people are just spinning you a line. I can remember being in the locker room after the Dolphins lost to the Saints and uh, a reporter from Sky Sports coming over and trashing trashing uh oh, sorry, when we lost to the Jets. And a, a reporter from an, an, uh, an organization over here came over and started trashing Tannehill. And Kenny Stills told him to fuck off. I mean, literally told him to fuck off. I spoke to Landry after the same game. I spoke to him after the Saints game. And he talked about how much he was missing Tannehill. You know, it was the game where Cutler had a really bad game. We started really well. Mm-hmm. He threw an interception in the end zone on the first drive. I, I just don't buy this. Boys, what, what, I mean, I've ranted for enough. But, you know, what, what's your take? Well, I think that one guy uh, that sent us a, a tweet via three yards per carry captured it perfectly and his name is chris kaufman at ck parrot <laughs> i don't know what that ck parrot's about who is this like guy yeah i know that was a total dude. yeah but anyway he writes did anyone honestly think that jarvis landry with a 75 million dollar contract was going to become less of an asshole <laughs> was that a thing that people thought and here's where i stand on this jarvis landry was not a high first round pick he was not top five overall he's not he wasn't expected coming out of lsu to sign a second contract much less one for 75 million dollars so obviously he had a little bit of help because we know that he isn't the the most how how shall i put this nicely the most impressive physical dynamo okay Mm -hmm. he's not fast he's not big now, he's tough and strong, yes, and pretty smart. I would say he's a smart football player. So, obviously, he had some help along the way to get that contract that he signed. So, what does he do? He gets $75 million, pretty much with the help of Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill, 
and to a lesser extent, you know, Joe Philbin and Bill Lazor. And he goes, and the first thing he does is start trashing the organization that he just left. That actually helped him get the $75 million. Now, I don't know what that's really about. Maybe it's because he's in Cleveland. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I just think that it's it's a severe lack of character and kind of odd, really. Like Chris, are we being are we being too protective of the Dolphins, and are we being too protective of Tannehill? Because you know there is an argument. We're all Tannehill fans. We're all Dolphins fans, but we all do like seventeen a lot, you know. And we're we're, we're outspoken in our defence of him, both in the podcast and on social media. So, uh, are we, you know, looking introvertedly at our responses? Are we being too protective of him? Are is Jarvis right to come out and say this, and are we just being a bit salty because we all like Tannehill? I think uh, I think that yes, probably we are being a little bit too protective in some ways. I think Alf, you kind of hit on it though when you talk about uh, he's talking bad about the organization and the quarterback. Most of what I've heard from people is that they don't care if he would have taken shots at the organization. You know, we as Dolphin fans take shots at the organization all the time. Um, I think that uh, that people were surprised that he went after the player, that he went after Ryan Tannehill, the teammate. And I think that that's where he sort of crossed the line because, hey, listen, he's mad about the contract. He's he's clearly mad about how that whole situation played out. And now that he's in Cleveland, um, I'd be mad, too, if I got sent to Cleveland. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, he's he's clearly mad and they'd be OK with taking a shot at the organization. What they're not OK with is like, wait, why are you all of a sudden taking shots at Ryan Tannehill? Like, what did what did he really do to you? other than getting you that many catches that got you a $75 million contract. And that's where I come out on this. And, um, and I think that it comes off to me, it, it makes me, you know, it makes you wonder what was really going on behind the scenes uh, with his interactions with some of the players and whether some of, you know, what we would perceive to be passionate heartbeat stuff, maybe it did come off fake because it turned out to be fake. Simon, you, you, you detail a lot of stuff where he's talking about Ryan Tannehill as fam and, you know, I love my teammates. I love, you know, I love Ryan Tannehill and all this stuff. Uh, and then he goes over to Cleveland and he's like, well, no, not really. I, I never really got along with Ryan Tannehill. Not, we never really had a bond. Um, and Ryan Tannehill sucks. And, oh, never. by the way, he never he never brought us out for workouts or anything like that or he never organized, you know, I guess he never organized a road trip. That was such a great sin. Um, but, uh, and... And so, you know, he's talking about it like that. And it's like, well, you know, which which guy are you? And and maybe maybe you're just kind of a little bit fake that way. And um, and maybe that could be sensed beforehand. Who knows? I mean, I've got the photo right in front of me now. So Jarvis is on a boat. He's holding a net with a load of, with a big fish in it. Ryan's got a fishing rod stuck right next to him. They're all laughing. There's a guy behind in sh- in shorts with his with his shirt off, and the quote says, and Landry's Twitter quote says, "All smiles over here with my boys, Tannehill, Mac, JJ, hashtag fam." I mean, come on, you don't go out on a boat with somebody that you don't like, and you don't refer to them on social media as your boys. And, you know, essentially the, the slang for family. You don't. You just don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. And actually, the Balls cast, which is uh, another podcast here on on the Five Reasons Sports Network, they did an entire podcast on the concept of uh, a problematic faves. And it's interesting because I, I've always thought of Jarvis Landry as a problematic fave for Miami Dolphins fans because, you know, he was here. 
He was a heartbeat type player. Uh, he was a guy that could spur a rally. Uh, he could make plays. Um, but, it, you know, he was problematic, too. You know, he, he's a guy, he's getting $15 million a year now, you know, more than Julio Jones, which is just a crime. Um, and and he's not a complete receiver. He's a guy that played like dog shit in the first half. But, you know, he would turn it on in the, in the second half when the team down, you know, more than one score and uh, and defenses got a little bit looser maybe they got a little bit more tired maybe there's some offensive adjustments going on who knows but he was clearly only a second half player this was persistent throughout his entire career uh he only put together one great season in miami and i i caused a little bit of a twitter stir today when i tweeted out that um the it's just simple simple fact when the dolphins alf you first said this uh on one of our first podcasts uh when the dolphins threw the ball at him 10 or more times, you know, gave him 10 or more targets in a game, they were 9-22, and 22 and they only scored 17 points a game. But when they only threw the ball at him six times or fewer, they were 16-3, and three, and they scored 27.5 points a game. So you tell me what kind of receiver that paints a picture of. I think, you know, and especially when you look at the difference between his first half and second half work, uh, he's really not a good first-half receiver. And what did the Miami Dolphins have problems with? Getting behind in the first half, not getting out to good starts. You know, who was part and parcel to that to that whole problem? And so now, you know, people have weird habits, and Miami has the weird habit of sending overrated slot receivers to the Cleveland Browns for a late-round pick. But uh, I think that he goes to Cleveland – and he shouldn't have been looking at getting a $15 million salary. And he's only getting it there because Cleveland was so incredibly below the salary cap that they actually had to spend a lot of money to get over the multi-year salary floor. Okay, They just had to give money to players. And so they gave him a $15 million a year contract, more than Julio Jones. And, and so he goes there, and he should be thankful to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's the one that got him so many catches. This is what Ryan Tannehill does. He overuses slot receivers. He's been doing it since college. He overused Ryan Swope, made Ryan Swope look like a first-round pick until people figured out that he's got like really, really serious concussion issues. Uh, and then he gets to the NFL. He overuses Devon Best. Remember all the smartest people in the room around the NFL at one time mm-hmm. were saying Devon Best is the best slot receiver in the NFL, yeah. that he's the next, next Wes Welker. Who was throwing him those passes? You know, and it, it was Ryan Tannehill is because he favors the slot. He favors the guy with those easy passing lanes in the short areas, just like he favored uh, Jarvis Landry. We sent Devon Bess up to the Cleveland Browns. He flamed out. Now we send Jarvis Landry up to the Cle- Cleveland Browns. You know, I'm sure it'll go well for him because they're an 0-16 team. And so second half, he's going to have a lot of opportunities down by multiple scores uh, to, to, you know, pile on the catches and the yards and, uh, but, you know, I, I think he's I think in a couple of years, he's just going to collapse under the weight of his own contract. I don't trust him to navigate really turbulent waters up in Cleveland because they got a they got a situation brewing between Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. Uh, Tyrod does not think he needs to cede his job to anybody, let alone a young, you know, number one overall pick. And meanwhile, Mayfield is kind of notorious for holding grudges and he's a fiery mm-hmm. dude. Um, and Hugh Jackson really favors Tyrod Taylor. He's already declared that Tyrod's the starter and that Baker's not even competing. How do you think Baker feels about that? And who's Jarvis Landry kind of sidling up 
next to already Tyrod Taylor. So, it, you know, somebody with the emotional IQ of Tyrod or of, uh, of Jarvis Landry, do I expect him to uh, navigate those those troubled waters and handle that sort of you know awkward and uh, possibly really messy uh, transition from Tyrod Taylor to Baker Mayfield, which we all know is eventually going to happen without pissing anybody off? And now he's got a seventy five million dollar contract. No, that's not going to happen. It's it's just very off putting and um and that's why he was always a problematic fave but you know he doesn't have to be a fave anymore because he's not a Miami Dolphin so now you know we get we're free okay now we all agree that he was way out of line with he's with his comments but let's analyze his original comments which were the quarterback play in Cleveland is a lot better than what I had in Miami. Now, Tyrod Taylor, I think we could all agree he's like an average quarterback, but they do have Baker Mayfield, and we were all we, we had a consensus that we would have taken him here in Miami. Does I his, believe the exact term, Alf, was uh, I'd push Tannehill over a cliff for Baker Mayfield. Yes, I said that on a pod. <laughs> so my question to you, Simon, is this. Does his original comments have some merit? Because I think that they kind of do. Well, we're not there, so we can't judge, but... Mm. Uh, I just don't. Th- it's not. It's not whether it's factually right or not. It's whether or not it's morally right. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that you can feel that. That's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps Mayfield and Tyrod are in shorts and t-shirts, looking really good. And you know, look, Tyrod Taylor's been hell for us for season after season. We can't seem to contain him. We can't seem to play him. We can't seem to beat him. So kudos to him. And we all love Baker Mayfield, as you said. I, I don't have a problem with a factual thought feeling about how good your new teammates are. What I do feel uncomfortable with is sitting there and throwing shade at your old teammates just because you're not with them anymore. If you felt that way, put your money where your mouth is and actually tell them at the time, because I'm damn sure he didn't do that. So, you know, I just think, I I just don't understand it. What's the point? What does it achieve? Just makes you look a bit of a knob. I don't think it achieves anything. I wonder if he's even, well, factually right, I, I wonder, I mean, listen, Baker Mayfield, we all love the guy, but he's a rookie. He's in his first mini camps and OTAs. Are you, is he really, how likely is it that you're really able to see, you know, an immediate difference between what Ryan Tannehill does and what Baker Mayfield does right now? Um, not very likely. Uh, and then Tyrod Taylor. But like you said, it's, there's morally and factually, and, and actually in this case, you know, if you're trying to be a good teammate to your own team and you're trying to talk up your own guys, then, yeah, maybe you do say, uh, yeah, this is this is the best group I've ever been with and, and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's fine. He followed it up. That was the problem. He followed it up and basically went into this thing about how Ryan Tannehill never brought him on a road trip, I guess. And and so, you know, oh, you know, the Giants go to Duke every year and and. You know, Tyrod, he had us working out in Miami together. It's like, well, dude, we know that you've worked out with Ryan Tannehill. So that's where it's over the line, Simon, because you brought it up. We know that he was factually, you know, lying, basically, about some of this stuff. So that's where it's like, hey, you're not just trying to talk up your own teammates and say, oh, yeah, this is the best best group of quarterbacks I ever had. I love my quarterbacks, and which is fine if you're a receiver. You're You're making shit up. And you're, you know, and you're throwing the extra shade at Ryan Tannehill. And that's what's so, you know, off-putting. Barry Jackson's just 
printed a, a new kind of post OTAs uh, piece. Barry, obviously the Miami Herald, very well connected guy, uh, and Barry's tackled this situation. And he's put both publicly and privately, teammates in recent weeks have gone out of their way to rave about Tannehill. Some solicited, but most unsolicited. I know of at least one offensive player on the team that Tannehill has made a point to text continually this, continually this off-season to offer encouragement and make sure he's working on his game. Multiple teammates have said Tannehill called players to organise informal throwing sessions again, i.e. he's done it previous seasons, before the off-season programme, contradicting Landry's claim that Tannehill didn't do that. Tannehill has made a point to evolve as a teammate and a leader, which I wouldn't have come back to in a sec, actually. One example, he moves around the lunchroom, sitting with different teammates to establish relationships. TJ McDonald made this unprompted comment about Tannehill last month, which was telling considering he plays on defence. His leadership is what I think we missed the most. His leadership. So all this bullshit that gets peddled by certain members of the Miami media over mm-hmm. and over. It's so tiresome, so boring about he's not a leader. He's it's such horseshit. And, and um, Barry continues. And Jesse Davis said, he's a hell of a worker, a hell of a leader. I don't think I've ever not seen him in the building somewhere when I've been here. He's always doing extra something, rehabbing, getting extra, coming up with us coming up to us with something like, hey, we're going to try this today. We might try that today. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's awesome what Ryan does. He's a great leader, gets us all together, gets us all on the same page. So, you know, I admire Landry's passion and I love what he brought to the team, but he is talking out of his hole. Listen, Jarvis Landry is a massive red flag, one of those big kind of red flags that you see on the beach that tells you not to get in the water because you're going to be eaten by a shark. Coming up, we will look at our own team and whether or not there are any red flags that we've noticed from OTAs and from minicamps and things. First, this. While we have a minute here, I want to introduce you to what's going on with the Five Reasons Sports Network. We started with one podcast, the Five Reasons Flagship, that's hosted by myself, Ethan Skolnick, along with Chris Whittingham. But Chris, since then, we've added four more. Yes, we have, Ethan. We have, for the Miami Heat fans out there, we have Miami Heat Beat, Three Yards Per Carry, a juggernaut of a Dolphins podcast, Simon Clancy, CK Parrott, Uptown Report on Twitter, doing a brilliant job there. Balls cast with Chris Joseph and Slim. He does not go by a name. He merely goes by Slim. And then we have Pitch Invasion, which I host. is a soccer podcast. We're going to be going strong during the World Cup. So check out all the other podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. And be sure to check out the Twitter account at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five Reasons Sports. We post all the schedules for the podcast, polls, all kinds of cool stuff there. You will not get more information from any other sports outlet in South Florida. Sports by Miami for Miami. Hi, I'm Chris Joseph, and right next to me is Slim. And we run this podcast called The Balls Cast that's right here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Yeah, man, you should have heard of us by now. Sure, and we're very funny, and we're very charming, and we're very talented. So you should listen to us every week. In fact, we have all these kinds of segments like Don't Be an Asshole, where we talk about you shouldn't be an asshole. We have Beans Up Top, where we talk about sex and sexual relationships and how you can be be better at that kind of thing. We also have all kinds of cool guests we had uh, the president of the Dolphins. What's his name? Tom Garfinkel, asshole. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus. We had David Sampson on. We have good guests on this yeah. show, and we're funny, and we have parody songs, and we have skits and sketches. It's great. And we have cool-ass fucking giveaways, man. Yes! Fuck, we're going to have free wakeboarding sessions. Yeah, some really, away some... really cool stuff coming up. Yeah. 
this promo is probably way too long. Nobody probably. wants to hear it anymore. They've already fast-forwarded <laughs> through it. Fuck this shit. Well, then you deserve to win the stuff if you've listened to this long. Seriously. Actually, if you can, fi- if you film yourselves listening to this entire promo, we're going to give you some shit. Some free shit. Do it. Film it and, and tweet it at us. We'll suck your dicks. No, we won't. I'll suck your dick. Yes, you will. It's red flag time, and I don't mean Jarvis Landry because I'm bored talking about him. Our own team, OTAs are finished, minicamps are finished, the boys are going off for a couple of months, traveling around the world, doing all sorts of things, keeping healthy. We've seen lots of good stuff in OTAs, lots of things that you think, oh, not sure about, not sure about. So have we spotted any red flags on the field in terms of position groups, players, those sorts of things? I'm going to throw one out now. The tackles, mm. you know, Robert Quinn and and Cameron Wake have made – Hay really against Laramie Tunsil and Jawan James. I, I, I'm on record as as thinking James is an upper echelon right tackle in the NFL. Still has his struggles, of course. Tunsil worries me a little bit, but am I overthinking this? Given that nobody's got pads on, it's still early, and essentially, as Adam Gay said, it's a passing camp. Really, you, you know, you know what's coming if you're a pass rusher because mm. that's just what happens in camp. So therefore, it allows you to pin your ears back, and you know, in terms of being a an offensive lineman, you don't have pads on. It's very difficult to to anchor against pass rushers when you're just in shorts and, uh, and a t-shirt. Am I overthinking this? Is that a red flag, or are we not too worried? I think it, it might be overthinking, or just maybe not overthinking, but premature. Because uh, this is without pads on. This is the we are talking about OTAs and mini camps, and you can't really simulate the physicality uh, that you're going to have as a blocker or as a, a defensive line player in, in this, this setting. And I think also, as you point, you rightly point out, and as Adam Gase rightly pointed out um, the play calling and stuff like that, like isn't diverse enough. It's not really the same sort of conditions uh, to where you can draw those sorts of conclusions. Also, Hey, this one one man's uh, defeat is another uh, another Dolphins victory, right? And, you know, Robert Quinn is drawing all these rave reviews from everybody. So, so this is uh, a guy that that people are feeling very optimistic about. I I think that it might be a little premature to to be thinking about Jawan James as a big weakness. Um, Laramie Tunsil is the one that I don't know about because we haven't seen him actually on the field ascend to that level that we ultimately want him yet but we have from Jawan james so i'm i'm inclined to say i i'm not worried at all about Jawan james but laramie tunsil you know he does need to prove himself what do you think alf well i will say this uh jonathan ogden once was very famous for for saying that he could practice at left tackle an entire practice with a cup of coffee in his hand and not allow a single <laughs> pressure okay he actually said that but it was backed up by some of his coaches who used to rave about how defensive ends used to complain to coaches about having to rush from right end in practice because Jonathan Ogden used to make you know used to make them look pretty bad, and if you look terrible for six seven practices in a row, the coaches forget that you have Jonathan Ogden at left tackle and start to think that there's something wrong with you. Okay, now just following the tweets this week from our beat writers. You would think that Laramie Tunsil allowed 15 to 20 to 30 sacks in every practice, <laughs> okay? Because it's it's pretty bad. 
Now, mm-hmm. if there is a red flag there on that offensive line, is that Larry Mitunsel? Have we seen him play at a Pro Bowl level? No, mm-hmm. maybe for a couple of games, possibly. But mm-hmm. he was kind of drafted to be a guy that could play there for 12 years. And a guy that plays there for 12 years should be near that Pro Bowl level, if not make two or three Pro Bowls. So, Lest we not forget, before that trade, I mean, Tunsil was pretty much the consensus number one overall pick until uh, until the trades to move up to get Goff and to get Wentz. So, yeah. you know, he, he is playing down to a level. He, and in uh, that, you know, certainly yeah. not playing up to the level of what most people perceived would be the number one overall pick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and in that case, like if he were a consensus first, you know, first overall pick, then he is expected to be a near Hall of Fame player. Really, to to be honest with mm-hmm. you, he's supposed yep. to make a bunch of Pro Bowls. Now, if there's a huge red flag on that offensive line, is that he's not drawing the rave reviews he got as a rookie, and if he's mm-hmm. bad, then we have a problem on that offense. That's but, true. You know. No pads, you know, a defensive end is going to get off much, much quicker, especially now in OTAs. Uh, I would I, I would just say that I'm just cautiously concerned. Mm-hmm. Not, would you say yellow? Would you say yellow flag? Like, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, you're not running around with your hair on fire, but you're reaching for the fire extinguisher. You're making sure Be- where the fire extinguisher is at. You know what I'm saying? Beach is. Beach is probably safe, but you might get bitten. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, it looks, you know, it's a beautiful day outside. It's, you know, blue yeah. skies. You know, the water's nice and clean and crisp, you know. But be careful because, you know, a shark could take your legs off. You know, this one is of a small, this is a small flag. Yes. I, I'm aware that this is a small flag. In fact, I've got two small flags for you. The first one is Brock And a little Lyra. English trumpet. Absolutely. A little English trumpet and two small flags. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Um... <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> the first one is Brock Osweiler, because we privately have had a conversation where we think Osweiler is battling Bryce Petty for the third spot and potentially won't get that either. No. Um, and the other one, and I know we don't particularly like talking about it, but the other one, I mean, they do score a lot of points. The other one is the kickers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where are we on? Where are we first on Osweiler, guys? I'll start with Osweiler. Right, I was giving this some, some thought the other day. Because I, okay. was, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I resigned myself to the fact that if Ryan Tannehill is not available, then we're, we're just not going to be very good. You know, we're going we're gonna to lose, no matter how many, how many good players we think we have, we're going to lose a whole lot of games if Ryan Tannehill is not available. But I was giving this some thought. Is it possible that the backup quarterback for this team is not on this team right now and is going to be mm. cut sometime in August? No, I think it's David Fales, 100%. Really? That's a that's a good question, 100%. but I, I agree question. with Simon. I thought Fails played really well in the final game of the season. Mm-hmm. And so did I, Adam Gase. No. As Chris has said, he's talked him up all the way through. Well, let me throw out a scenario for you. Let's say that sure. the Jets in preseason, Sam Darnold looks like a million bucks. And you already do have Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. And you got Josh McCown. You're going to keep all three? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know that it affects the Dolphins whether they do or not. Um, cause Teddy Bridgewater, we've already heard that is, is lighting it up in the, in Jets camp right now. They're already, they're starting to buzz about him. They're really, they're really getting on to him. And so I don't imagine him being the guy that they move on from. I imagine that the guy that could lose out in that scenario would be the, you know, Josh McCown is, is pretty old. What, what is it like? 37 or something like that? Um, 52. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But for one year got, as the backup quarterback, he's got a lot of rings. Complain. He's got a lot of rings around him. Um, but I, I think the loser in that would be McCown. And I don't see the dolphins just all of a sudden switching gears and going from 
who they've been bringing to camp to say, bring in Josh McCown and saying, hey, this is our backup now. I, I don't see it happening. I think that uh, Brock Osweiler, when he first signed with the Dolphins and you you took a look at the guaranteed amount, the actual amount of money that he's he's going to get, whether he gets cut or not. It wasn't much. It was the kind of guarantee that you see a guy brought to camp and, you know, maybe it doesn't work out. And uh, and a veteran, sure, a veteran that gets brought to camp and maybe it doesn't work out, maybe you move on. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of contract that he has in my eyes. And then Adam Gase gets in front of that, in front of the press, and he starts talking about the process by which Brock Osweiler arrived. And he, he was clear in that he had to be convinced. This is a guy that basically raised Osweiler out of college and he had to be convinced to take him back on the team. And now you're hearing stuff about, you know, the really retooling Brock Osweiler's mechanics. You hear practice reports about how he's, uh, uh, you know, how passes are kind of either skipping off the ground or he's, he's really, uh, he's really overthrowing guys or are perfect. You know, it's just very, very inconsistent. Sounds like a guy that that's having his mechanics retooled actually. Um, I think it's not looking good for him. It is looking really good for David Fales, who, like I said before, Adam Gase brought up, you know, hey, he's moving up in class as far as who he's throwing to. He's throwing to guys like Albert Wilson and and Mike Gesicki and uh, Jakeem Grant, and he's getting a lot of work. And he, Adam Gase has talked him up so much. Remember that David Fales was a backup quarterback for Adam Gase for six games oh. in uh, mm-hmm. Chicago. Already happened. Primary backup already. Um, and then he became the primary backup last year in Miami. I don't think, you know, I don't think we need to look elsewhere. I don't think we need to be, you know, have our eyes on all these other quarterback situations and try and imagine these scenarios or anything like that. Because I think, I think Simon's right. It's David fails 100%. He's the backup right now. And I, I share your opinion that, Hey, if, if Ryan Tannehill goes out again, we're just going to lose a lot of games probably. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, is that is that good? Is that bad? I, I don't know. You know, should we have Teddy Bridgewater now who's you know looking fine in, in Jets camp and maybe he could do more than than a David fails? Well, that's all hindsight. It's too late for that now because Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be the one that escapes. And I don't think they're going to just like go ahead and go with a Josh McCown this late in the game. So David fails is probably the primary backup. And if Tannehill gets injured again, that hey, the odds are they're going to think about moving on from Tannehill, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and and so we're going to lose a lot of games. And what does that mean? That means we get a shot at you know Brian Lewerke of uh, Michigan State or Jake Bentley of South Carolina, or, or you know we'll we'll see. We were debating this about whether um, whether the the Mississippi State uh, kid Nick Fitzgerald, Nick Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald? Yeah. Yeah, 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 whether Fitzgerald. he. Whether he gets back up there because he is a he's a big physical specimen, we'll be looking at those guys if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt again for a significant amount of time, and we're probably going to lose a lot of games. So we'll have the ability to to look at these guys, and that's where I think we are with them. Um, but I, I don't know, Alf, you had some other red flags that you were bringing up on the defensive side that I wanted to that I wanted to to get to what were they yeah I think we need to prepare ourselves for the very real possibility that Matt Burke sucks at his job <laughs> he doesn't suck at uh, at vacation destinations no he's, he's going headed to Bora Bora right he's headed for Bora Bora next week and he's gonna he's gonna live out of his backpack according he to doesn't he, he doesn't suck on beards either no, no, no that's that a would be weird. Beard. he doesn't suck with beards yeah <laughs> 
sucking uh, on bits would be well would be really weird. There's far too many usages of the word suck at this point. I'm getting uncomfortable. <laughs> but if we have a little background, uh, uh, I talk to some people, and these people tend to rave about things. And one thing that they really did love to rave about was about Vance Joseph and mm-hmm. how Stephen Ross thought that he had two head coaches when he signed Adam Gase here, and we had Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator. And he would actually muse to other people, uh, maybe I have the wrong guy as the as the head coach, because I think, you know, Vance Joseph is, is, you know, a top prospect as a head coach. And I think I told you about this last year, where he actually thought about, you know, putting his foot down and offering a whole bunch of money to Vance Joseph for him not to leave. But the coaching staff advised him against it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's normal practice in the NFL. You don't want to hold guys back from, from head jobs, even though they're probably going to be bad head jobs. It's still bad, a head job. Bad, There's only again, bad in the phraseology. World. Let's can we get different? We're yeah. talking about sucking and head jobs. <laughs> yeah. Where did where did where did Burke go on holiday last year? No idea. Was didn't didn't he go mountain? It wasn't like Everest or something like that. Is he went to Uganda with uh, mountain gorillas? Oh wow! Is that <laughs> is that is that where we got our some of his defensive ideas about uh, about nickel? But, Could be. But Chasing in a roundabout eight. way, let, let me get to my point. And my point was, I heard this for almost an entire year. Last year, I didn't hear a single word about Matt Burke or anybody really vouching for him or talking about how brilliant he is. Although the defense kind of improved. I don't. At I, first, at first, I at thought. First, at first, like, yeah. Yeah. First, first couple of games, it really seemed like they were on to something, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and then it seemed to just really uh, disintegrate from there. But you rewatch some of these games, and you watch especially that that New England game. Okay, mm-hmm. the Patriots did in Melbourne, and the, the Patriots wanted to kick our ass in that game. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a nationally televised off audience on on a Monday night fo- Monday night football. They want to kill us. Okay, and we actually killed them. If you watch that mm-hmm. defensive game plan. That was some tricky stuff that Matt Burke was was pulling out of his butt, okay? Where was that all the rest of the year? The rest of the year, he mm-hmm. was married to the same wide nine concepts and calling slants. Mm-hmm. Who calls slants on the defensive line nowadays? Well, evidently, mm-hmm. Matt Burke does because he did it He did it most of the year. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to guess to try to stop the run and not try to scheme to stop your stop the run, that's already one huge red flag. The second red flag is this year. We draft Minka Fitzpatrick, and until very recently, we've heard none about playing a dime defense. It's all or been three safety looks, or not even any three safety looks until yeah, or not even in a thirty-three. Everything has been forty-two-five, and you know, very mm-hmm. simple. You know, the same stuff that we owe. maybe maybe because it's OTAs. You know, who cares? You're not going to game plan, but I would think that it's something that you want to start working on, or something you might want to teach the young guy. So Absolutely. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Because now, if, Absolutely. if I was if I was cautiously concerned about Larry Mutunsel, yeah, this one I'm running around in a circle, you know, mm. setting my head on fire. <laughs> I, I, absolutely you want to you want to be practicing the defensive looks that you're going to be giving this year uh, at early and often and I shared your same concerns when I was hearing specifically actually I think a player even said that no I think might have been Minka Fitzpatrick but he said no we haven't we haven't done any three safety yet and um and that was a huge red flag for me because every day that you don't hear about that is is just going to make uh, make my ass pub- 
pucker up a little bit because uh, this is this is a big issue for for the Dolphins. They need to be doing this. They need to be playing some more 21st century defense. But then the skies opened up today. Everything was sunny and golden and wonderful. I think Tim Tebow might have been there. And and all of a sudden we hear John Kinjemi, MiamiDolphins.com, and a beautiful art, article today. I recommend everybody read it. It was just three observations at practice. And the first one is three safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, working on it all day, uh, Minka down in the dime position, and um, and it was he said it was a, a very impressive. It looked uh, you know very versatile, and it's it's what we hoped for. It's what we we wanted to see, and finally we saw it. So now it's sort of like it's calming calming us down a little bit. I think. Um, also, I think Adam Gase mentioned something. This was interesting uh, in his press conference. He mentioned that Matt has been doing a really good job giving the offense. Uh, a hard time by showing them so many different looks. And that was something that, that did not escape my attention because, you know, that was part of, part of what you're complaining about just now is we didn't, we didn't show a lot of different looks necessarily to the defenses last year. We experimented for some games, individual games like mm-hmm. that new England game and like the Buffalo game at the end of the year, but didn't do it often enough. And so far in practice, Adam Gase, anyway, is saying that Matt Burke is showing them a lot of different looks. So, uh, you know, that's I'm starting to feel better about that. Until we see it in preseason, until we see it in regular season games, it, you know, there's still going to be some nervousness about it. But, um, but yeah, I, again, I recommend everybody read the the three observations. There's also good ones about uh, the way they're using Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson together, which is something that I wanted to see. And um, and then Mike Gesicki in the red zone, which is something that we all wanted to see and uh, and catching touchdowns, you know, on fade patterns uh, and man to man coverage in the end zone. Um, So I I started to feel I tell you, I started to feel a lot better about some things when I saw when I saw that today. So I mentioned earlier on, it's a good point about the the DBs and fingers crossed that kind of that matriculates through camp and we do see the dime defense i did mention it earlier kickers jason sanders mm. versus greg joseph the seventh round pick against the undrafted rookie apparently sanders has made 15 of his last 16 in open sessions his only miss came from 57 yards joseph has missed four of his past nine in open practice uh, sanders has also been booting the ball consistently out of the end zone uh, which we knew he was going to do it feels like he's got his mojo a little bit feels like he's got a little bit of the technical issues that he he had at new mexico sort of straightened out a little bit do we think that he's a leader in the clubhouse in preseason it always happens it always happens this way one of them is going to absolutely fall apart in preseason Mm. and the other's just going to win the job no it's never really a tough call so i wonder if it's even really a competition to to be honest because darren rizzi spent so much time talking about and defending his selection of Sanders and and why he took him and what attracts it because everybody's immediately going after Sanders. Oh, you missed kicks in college. You missed kicks and and Darren Rizzi's just going about. I, I I think that when you see him uh, nailing what is it? What did you say? Fifteen out of sixteen or something like 15, that. Uh, Fifteen of his last sixteen. I I, th- I can already see Darren Rizzi doing victory laps right now. Uh, you know, just just laughing his head off because you know he's just enjoying himself so much. I don't know that it's going to be a real competition. I know that they they probably say it and they'll say all the right things and and they will keep 
track, but I don't think they expect the other guy to win. Um, and I think it's I think Jason Sanders is just our kicker. And, and that's that's what the way it's going to be. Now's a good time as any other to get into our Twitter questions. And we have mm-hmm. a couple this week. And the first one is from Sruli Dukeman at The Real Sruli. I like to meet the, the fake Sruli. Yeah, who's the not real Sruli? Right, exactly. He's not he's not Sruli. He sends uh, he sends quite a lot of uh, questions my way and probably our way as well. He's a nice guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he writes to at three yards per carry. Is the Dolphins' number two corner spot a weakness or just a good camp battle? Simon? I think it's a good camp battle. I mean, I think, it, you know, there's decent players there. We've talked about it before. We know that Xavier Howard has locked it down and something we haven't talked about actually, but very briefly, Akeem Spence yesterday touched on the three players that it impressed him the most in camp and he mentioned Raekwon McMillan. He mentioned Rashad Jones and the Raekwon McMillan question is a great one. I'm sure we're going to get into it as we as we go through the next month or so of sort of dead time. And the third one was Xavier Howard. So, you know, we know that X has locked down position one. But I think it's a good battle out there. You know, we've talked about McCain potentially playing on the perimeter. Minka can potentially play out there. He won't. You know, I don't think he will, but he can. And then you've got you, you've got Tankersley, and you've got Tony Lippett, who's back in. You know, looked great apparently. Barry Jackson in his piece for the Herald there talking about how well Lippett's looked in OTAs. Physically looked great. He had the pick six of Brock Osweiler yesterday, which you know is Brock Osweiler. So let's take it for what it's worth. <laughs> But, but it was know, a wide receiver screen. It was a bubble screen. Get, which is, yeah, yeah, it was a bubble screen. You don't you know, usually see that get. Yeah, that's hard to do. You know, Lip is long and tall and can really run. And we talked about it. He came on. But the, the back end of the, the season before he got his injury, he came on really strong. Um, so I think it's a really interesting battle. I, I, I like it. Plus, you know, you've got to throw in the, the two the two kids, Cornell Armstrong, the kid we took in the sixth round, who we all liked. Um, and the kid I keep banging on about who had another interception yesterday in camp. Jalen Davis. Jalen Davis, who had a pass breakup and an interception. The kid is making plays, and he's making plays, and he's making plays. And Jordan Lucas could be the odd man out. Lucas is injured. Mm. You, you know, you hope for his sake that he gets back immediately healthy because you know that Walt Aikens is essentially going to make the team because he's special teams mm. captain now. Um, and, and also Walt, a really impressive interview. I, yeah, absolutely. I never thought that I would – you know, watch an interview with him, but I was, I was riveted for like yeah. the full interview. Like he's a, he's right. a good dude. Yeah. He was at the podium yesterday and you know, he's been made special teams captain. So he's making the team, you know, and he's really good. He's a really good special teams player. You know, he's cross trained at corner and safety and you probably don't want him out on the field an awful lot, but the, the, you know, I think it's a, I don't think it's a weakness at all. I think it's a strength because I think competition just makes people better. Chris, what do you think? I try to I try to be you know I try to be disciplined about this because I know I don't want us to always just be like oh everything's great everything's great everything's great um, is this really a good competition or is it is it a weakness uh, I would say it would be a weakness if it weren't for the fact that the three guys that are competing for that spot each have seasons under their belt starting and Tony Lippett was the starter all through. 2016 basically and uh and Cordrea Tankersley was the starter for most of 2017 and Bobby McCain let's not forget that he is competing with those two for that spot on the perimeter and base um not nickel but base like he's been a starter for for the Dolphins forever and he's played on the outside a lot and we all we all think very highly of him so yeah I mean why wouldn't that be a strength if you've got three starters Three guys that have started seasons, basically. Okay, before we move on to the next question, very quickly, who wins that job opposite of X? Simon? I think Tony Lippett might win it. Okay, mm-hmm. Chris? 
I think Bobby McCain is going to do it. Well, Simon, I thought I was I thought I was going to come out of the the box and say that Tony Lippett was going to win the job, and I was going to be all you know all original. <laughs> but Simon beat me to it. So let's move yeah, on sorry, to dude. the next the next question. The next question is from Ray Finkel at Lieutenant <laughs> Einhorn. Now this guy this guy knows what he's talking about. Okay, and he writes, in all honesty, what is the depth chart for wide receiver? I get it's by committee, but who stays on the roster? Carew is getting cut. He has to, right? Right. I think that, yeah, Carew is getting cut. And uh, and I know that there's been talk about Isaiah Ford a little bit lately as well, but I don't I don't really see it for him. I think that we've got – it's possible they could keep six, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I think they've got five guys they really feel comfortable about. You're seeing this hockey lineup, hockey line change uh, approach on defense, but it seems to also be taking, uh, taking shape on offense uh, with, I think, Right away, Adam Gase is going to look at Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Danny Amendola as line one. Basically, it's just like last year with Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Jarvis Landry as their 11 personnel. And they overused 11 personnel. I think they know that. Um, but right away, those, those are the three guys, number one. But the second lineup is turning out to be Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. And I think it could be Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant with Mike Gesicki in a 12 personnel look with a guy like um, Durham Smith or uh, or AJ AJ Derby uh, coming in as the Y. Before we go, it's fun time. It's fun time. It's Simon's draft game, which has been you say that a little bit weird. It's a little bit <laughs> creepy. Know. That's the kind of the, that's, the, that's the way I like it. Um, I've been around your house, Chris. You know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I really have listeners, uh, and it's a lovely night. Um, <laughs> before um, the last two weeks, before we closed, we've done a little kind of we've gone through Dolphins draft history and picked out players, and there's a little where are they now. And after the massive res- revelation uh, of John Avery last week being a stand-up comedian, uh, and Alf was kind of bemoaning the fact before we went on air about whether or not we should do this because there's a long summer ahead. And I made the point that we've got a hell of a lot of former draft picks who are out of football now. So therefore, it shouldn't be too difficult for us to find people and what they're doing. Well, give okay, us two. I... Give us two because we're working on like three hours already on this podcast. Okay. I'll give you – I'll give you – okay. Sammy Smith, former first-round draft pick. Well, I know he was in prison. I think – I don't think that's, a, that's for... a really good one to pick. Simon. He was in prison. Well, he was in prison for seven years for dealing coke. What does he do now? <laughs> oh my God! He he, he deals marijuana. No, no he, nothing to do deals, with drugs. He deals he deals vacuum cleaners. <laughs> no, he works for Old Miss uh, under Hugh Freeze as the director of character development. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I haven't even got there. No, no, you made that up. That's a lie. You're lying to our I'm listeners. Like, literally. I'm not Jarvis Landry. I would not make that up. Okay. He's now the director of character development for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Ole Miss. Wow. There you go. Oh, man. Two more. Two, I know, right? I love that one. But two more I love even more. Very quick ones before we go. Okay. Tony, Tony Booer. The linebacker from Arkansas. Yes, this oh, yes, is the one. I this was. Him. I said. I said that this was. There was only one correct answer when you picked that draft, yeah. and and you still went. You still went with uh, with who? Uh, Derek, um, that linebacker. Do you remember the, the, who he? Who, murdered, who now weighs three hundred sixty pounds? In a, yeah. in a in a Rams game. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. He lit the guy. Yeah. Up. Oh yeah. Do you remember it, who it was? Because I don't. Uh, the guy God, I can't off the top of my head. I'll, I'll Google it while you think about what job he does. Oh, was All right, Azakeem? what does Tony Boa do? Azakeem, wasn't it? Could have been Azakeem. Yeah, him. 
Man, what does what? he do for a living now? Tony Bua. Oh, strip club bouncer. Nope. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> no, he's put on a he's put on a bit of poundage. He's put on a bit of timber. Oh really? Oh, oh he's a big guy now. Like like his like his teammate. He owns a barbecue uh, joint. No, he runs Tony <laughs> Bua's next level roofing. He does roofing. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a good hey, that's good work, man. If you can get it. Thanks, man. Oh no, him. I've actually got the video here, but if I play it, the sound's going to come out on the podcast. And if I uh, if I mute the sound, I can't hear you boys. So, the last one: LSU defensive back Travis Daniels, fourth round pick. What does Travis, he do now? He was yeah, a I good. Met him. I met him once. He was a good guy. Okay, yeah. usually usually these things are really obscure players that weren't all that great. Travis Daniels, I thought, was an underrated player when he played for us. He was good. He was. He yeah. started right away as a rookie. He has a lovely job now that makes people happy. Okay, he's a... insurance adjuster, and he... <laughs> he shares in other he shares in other people's happiness. He shares in other people's happiness. Is he a drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> no. He's a he's a birthday party clown. You're not, you're not far away. Really? Okay. What? Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Nobody say a ballpark. word. He is a DJ. Mm, no. No. Okay. <laughs> now I'm all, I'm all out of guesses. He's a wedding photographer. Oh boy. What? Yeah. Who knew wow. that Tony that, that Tony Buer was a roofer and Travis Daniels is now a wedding photographer. That that's not as that's that's we, as... we've got an, we've got an all pro team of people in ordinary jobs. Yeah. <laughs> in fact. In fact, I think our draft picks of ordinary jobs are better than our actual draft picks of football players that are still playing. I think I would agree with that. I think that's yeah. good observation. Well, that's it for this week. We do encourage you to listen to all the podcasts on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Listen to the Ballscast every Friday. Listen to us every Thursday morning. And, of course, the Miami Heat Beat and the flagship, Five Reasons. Soon in July, the Fish Tank with OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt. Till then, see you next week. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.